This is the Horse Radio Network. When I was a kid, I dreamed of going to horse camp. There was nothing in the world that sounded better than riding horses, making new friends, and leaving the world's worries behind. The good news is, horse camp doesn't just have to be for kids. That's why I'm excited to announce the Leadline's premier ranch retreat for equestrian entrepreneurs, happening this upcoming fall in upstate New York. You're invited to join me on October 11th through 14th for our first ever horse business getaway, complete with trail riding, kayaking, and of course, all of the fun horse camp stuff that grown-ups should get to enjoy too. Space is limited and spots are booking fast, so hurry over to theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash ranch retreat, or click the link in our show notes to find out more. Welcome to the Leadline Podcast, the show where we believe that running your own horse business should feel less like a chore and more like the life you've always dreamed of. Join us as we share valuable advice on how to become more focused, more organized, and more profitable in your horse business. And now, here's your host, Mandy Flanders. Welcome, and thanks for listening to episode 39 of the Leadline Podcast. If you've been feeling the itch to start blogging for your business, you're not alone. Blogging is an excellent way to attract more traffic to your website and get more eyes on your brand. But with everything so overly saturated by social media these days, is blogging still worth it? Lindsay Raines of Hoofprint Marketing is a huge believer in the power of blogging and search engine optimization when it comes to building your audience. Sure, we all know that social media can be incredibly powerful, but what would happen if one of your favorite social media platforms went away tomorrow? Even though we like to think that that could never happen to us, more and more people are reporting getting locked out of their social media accounts and have been struggling to get them back. That's why we're going to talk about creating content in a way that gives you more ownership and control with the added benefit of helping your brand show up in places like Google. Blogging has many benefits to small business owners, and Lindsay will share a few tips for getting started if you've never blogged before, as well as some advice for some of our more seasoned bloggers out there. She's even going to talk about the difference between blogging for your business versus blogging as a business. More on that a little bit later. So get comfortable and get ready to get your blog up and rolling. Here's Lindsay Rains. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the show today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. You are such a smart woman. I've known you for a few years. <laughs> you just have so many things going for you. And uh, I don't even know where to start sometimes. But we talked about it prior to recording this session today that we wanted to focus on blogging for your business and blogging as a business. So out of all of the things that you were very good at, that's what we're going to focus on today. <laughs> and I am excited to unpack that with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is something I'm really passionate about. So it'll be fun to dive in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we really haven't had any guests on the show prior to now who have come on to talk about the benefits of blogging. So I'd love to just start right there. Why should you be blogging for your business? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think a lot of times, you know, we get shiny object syndrome with all the different platforms taking off. You know, everyone's saying like, oh, like TikTok's the newest thing. I remember when Snapchat was a thing. I was like, oh, Lord, like I'm not getting on Snapchat. But, you know, like with social media being the giant that it is sometimes, you know, it's just so easy to like set up a social media account and then 
pretty soon you're playing the algorithm game and then you're doubling down on like different strategies and then the algorithm changes and everything you have to redo everything which I know that's kind of hyperbolic, but you know, that's what it feels like sometimes when you're starting out as a business owner. And the thing about blogging is that it is truly the proof that content is king. Like there's a lot of fast content out there on social media, like, you know, reels, you can watch them and then they go away. You put up a social media post or a story, it literally expires in 24 hours. But content is not only something that can live, you know, indefinitely on a platform, particularly a blog, but it's also a way to one, nurture your audience and your potential customers or clients. And it's also a way to find them. You know, I mean, the thing about blogging is that it's very search engine driven. And so for those who are interested in putting in their efforts of doing one thing the right way, and then having it pay dividends for years, that's the thing that I would say to focus on if you're looking at a long game strategy and a short game strategy at the same time. Absolutely. Well, I recently asked a question in the Leadline community on Facebook, asking people what social media platforms they felt were most beneficial for their business. And there definitely were a lot of votes on there. You saw a mix of Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of that. But what was interesting is there were a few people that commented on that thread that said, you know, well, the traffic to my website comes from, and then they would list out whatever platform made the most sense. And you could see that those people really valued the web traffic over which platform they felt was most successful. And I think that success can be measured in different ways, whether that's in the number of comments or likes, followers. And when you're talking about social media, there's a lot of different ways to measure success. But looking at it from the website visitor standpoint, there's absolutely a lot of benefits in getting more traffic to your website. So why don't you talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you believe are beneficial when it comes to blogging? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just overall, like blogs aside, like you're saying, it's hugely beneficial to get people to your website primarily because it's the bottom end of your funnel. And it's how you're getting people off of a platform that you don't own onto a platform that you do own. And I think that's the one big distinction when you're a business owner, that like, unless you're, I don't even know, like, I guess, unless you're selling like, private coaching, which I, I can't even I'm hard pressed to think of a a type of business where you don't want people on your own website, you know, on your own platform. Because a lot of people that I know who have built businesses not a lot of them are just running them off of just Facebook or just Instagram or just YouTube. You know, you want people to get onto your own platform primarily because, you know, the platform itself could shut down or kick you off or, you know, the algorithm can change and everything that you were doing, you could lose, you know, I mean, Facebook, you know, on Facebook business pages back in the early days, you know, you could actually post a link and, you know, get traffic somewhere or get visibility. Now you can't even post a link on the actual Facebook post if you want any chance at at being seen on Facebook. Things like that can change so quickly. So when you're thinking as a business owner, I think that primarily you should be thinking, how am I going to get people onto my own real estate? And blogging is a great way to do that because something that hasn't changed in the past few decades of the internet is search traffic. And the thing that I love about search is that no matter what happens in the algorithm updates, if you're doing the right thing, when it comes to creating your content or doing your keywords, 
then you don't have a lot to worry about in the long run. You know, a Google update might affect you temporarily, but if you weren't doing something scammy, then you don't have to worry about it. You know, eventually you're going to, you're going to catch up and like all of your collective efforts are going to make sense. So from a business standpoint, there's two different ways that you can see the value of blogging. And one of them is if you have a retail business or if you have like a coaching business or, you know, something where you want people to either purchase on your website or if you want them to get to know you on, on your website and then get onto your email list. And the biggest benefit is, is search traffic. So both with Google and with Pinterest, you post a blog onto your site and you have it keyworded properly, then all these people, as long as you're focusing on a topic that relates to your ideal client, then you're getting all of this passive traffic month after month, you know, once you start ranking on Google or Pinterest, primarily Google. But, you know, I have clients who blog just for the purpose of increasing their monthly traffic so that people start reading a blog about whatever topic they're interested. And then they look and it's a retail website, like for example, equine wellness, you know, it's talking about an equine wellness topic. And so they're reading this great article First of all, you've served your customer first before asking for anything. And then now they're on your platform and are like, oh, wow, like now that you've cultivated this little level of trust through serving them, now they're like, oh, what can this website offer me? And then they start poking around and you already have such a deep familiarity. Have Well, you've cultivated such a deep familiarity with your brand through this simple piece of content that would take multiple impressions on even paid Facebook ads. So it's like one of those things that, you know, you, you write an article and yeah, it takes you some time up front and some research, but you're only putting in sweat equity, or even if you have a blog writer, you know, you pay them once to do it, and then it's going to pay dividends, you know, over and over again. So as a business, I definitely think that it's a great tool to have in your tool belt to get people on your website or on your email list. Definitely. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about keywording because I think that, you know, you know what a keyword is. I know what a keyword is because I've also been blogging for years. But can you explain to someone who is brand new to blogging what you mean when you say if you're using the right keywords? Yeah, absolutely. So a keyword is essentially the the root search term in a query that someone would put on Google or YouTube or Pinterest when they're looking for something. So you want to think from the user's perspective, okay, like if I want to know what kind of soil to use for this plant, <laughs> I'm not a gardener, so I'm just ridiculous <laughs> now. But say like I'm brand new to gardening and someone gave me a part of their lavender bush and I type in what soil do I use for lavender? So like the whole query is what soil do I use for lavender? But then the root keyword there is soil for lavender or soil for lavender plants, you know, and there's root keywords, which could be, for example, horse care. So like if I were to type horse care onto onto Google, there's tons of different varied responses that would come up. So that's a, a good root keyword, but the saturation is going to be immense, you know, because there's so many different horse care topics. There's so many different people talking about horse care. So if you're thinking from a user perspective, like, okay, I want people who are looking to care for their horse better. I want to reach those people. If you go for a really dense keyword like horse care, then you're going to be a small fish in a big ocean. But if you're looking for like horse care for senior horses, you know, with arthritis, that's a much smaller pool. 
And a lot of the people who are searching for horse care for senior horses with arthritis are going to have a much more specific need. So if that very specific need matches the things that you offer, then that's the sweet spot. So when you're thinking about getting traffic to your blog, especially when you're selling something like either retail or if you're selling, you know, online courses or if you're selling coaching, uh, you want to get pretty specific because one, you're putting up all of this time to write this content. And two, you want to make sure that you're going for quality over quantity when it comes to people who come to your website, which is different from when we talk about blogging as a business, because that's very a very different business model. But yeah, so you want to focus on what they call long tail keywords, which is basically like you have a root keyword, but then you have some other qualifiers. So it's not just horse care, it's horse care for senior horses with arthritis, like something like that, because it's much more specific to a need that you can write about. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, people that are listening today likely have websites already set up. Can you speak a little bit to good blogging platforms for folks, whether they have an existing website already, or maybe they're looking at starting something? Do you need to have the blog on your main website? How does that work? Yeah, that's a great question. And Basically, like any website that is out there, you can add a blog to, you know, I mean, if you have GoDaddy, GoDaddy has a blog builder. If you have Shopify, Shopify has a good blogging platform. And that it's actually like really, really user friendly. Shopify is great because Shopify is already search engine optimized for Google for products. And so to have that blog add on is a great feature if you're like a retailer and using Shopify. But otherwise, like if you're just using WordPress, WordPress is built for blogging, for sure. So I'd say WordPress is probably the best platform for a blog in general, if it's just a standalone blog, or just a website where you're selling an online product. But if you have something like Shopify or Wix or Squarespace or whatever, just use what you have so that you don't have to um, make things more complicated. And then you're getting people on your on your own website too. Sure. And I think there's a couple ways to do this too, because there's going to be folks who have outsourced their web development to a professional. Oh, sure. So mm-hmm. all you need to do is talk to that person and have them add a blog and show you where to upload the content or write the content offline and send it to them and have them upload it. So that's an option. But for those of us who are more DIY, I've been doing my own blog uploads for years and I do it now for the lead line too. So anyone that wants to go to the lead lines website and wants to see one of our recent episodes, each episode has its own blog post with the show notes. So I want to also talk a little bit about just digging into the WordPress side of things. I know there's a lot of plugins for SEO purposes on WordPress, and I use a plugin that I like. Are there any plugins that you recommend for helping be found on Google search results? Yeah, absolutely. There's actually a few angles to consider when it comes to SEO and plugins. So one is Yoast SEO. That's kind of like the gold standard for having like a good plugin. And what Yoast does is that it makes sure that your keyword density is good. So like, you know, we were just talking about keywords, you don't want to have, it's like blood, you don't want to have too much of that keyword in your article, and you don't want to have too little, you know, like, otherwise, you'll die (laughs) either way. (laughs) So like, you want to have that keyword showing up frequently enough in your content to for Google to know, oh, this is about that. Because believe it or not, you don't tell Google what your article is about. It has an algorithm and bots and crawlers that are categorizing your information and being like, okay, this 
this website is about this, or this article is about that. So you have to make the content speak for itself. So you do that by having a good range of like that keyword repeating over and over in your content. You do that in the URL. So like if you you make a unique URL on that specific blog, when you're uploading pictures, you want to make sure that there's alt text, which is basically like, you know, if you couldn't see the picture, what is the picture about? So you assign that on the pictures when you're loading it into WordPress. And Yoast SEO is a great plugin for that because it kind of reminds you to do all those things and kind of takes a look at the full picture and allows you to write your own meta description, which is basically like if this pulled up in a search engine, what would people see? Like you, you may not want people to dive right into the first paragraph of your blog if you want to just post an overview for people to see in search when your article shows up in search traffic. So Yoast SEO is a great one. And then another one is just like any, there are a lot of great plugins out there for um, squishing down your images. So your images slow down your website. You know, Lazy Load is a good example. You know, something that will optimize your images is great because it doesn't cause unnecessary site speed reduction. And then There are other plugins that will like automatically link other articles like on your site if you don't want to go through the work of linking one article to another. But if you are an affiliate for anything, a good plugin is AAWP. So like if you're an Amazon affiliate, then it makes any affiliate posts look really nice on your website. And it doesn't look like you just pulled the code off of Amazon, which, you know, if if you're reading a lot of blogs that can get old really fast and you're like, ah, this just looks like dumb. You know, like this looks like they're just trying to sell me something versus if you go to a product review website, they have these nice little charts and these beautiful images. Well, they're using a plugin like AWP. So those are all really good plugins to use for SEO and for blogs. Well, I'll be sure to mention those in the show notes too, because well, number one, I need to add a couple of those to my site. (laughs) I am using the Yoast plugin, which is Y-O-A-S-T. So it's, it's Yoast like toast, but with a Y. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So Yoast is a really good one. I do love the reminders and it does let you know when to make sure you're checking your file names and doing the alt text. And mm-hmm. if you use the keyword too many times, I do get those reminders where it says, Hey, Liebline, you haven't, you've only used your keyword one time in this entire article. That's not enough. And so I have to go back and be like, okay, where can I insert this keyword in a natural way so that it doesn't look like I'm just dropping it in a place that doesn't belong? And you have to be aware of that too. When you're optimizing for SEO purposes, you don't want it to read in in an uncomfortable way, I guess, where it sounds. It should sound like a person wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell, you can always tell when you go to one of those websites and it looks like it's been scripted out heavily because they keep using the same keyword in unnatural ways. <laughs> and you're like, why does this read so weird? Yeah. And you can especially tell with horse topics, like you can really yes. tell it's like yes. when people are overusing it or, or when they don't know about the content. Yeah. Well, I want to mention another thing too, and I don't know that this will apply to everybody, but there will be times when content writers when marketing companies will reach out, if you have a successful blog already, and they see you're getting traffic, you might actually get some outreach from some of these companies that want to pay you to put an article on your website. Well, and then their outreach is just gold sometimes too. Like, so on, on one of my blogs, it gets, you know, I mean, it gets about like 40,000 visits per month. And so like our inbox is just full of requests. And it's not even it's not even nice requests. It's just, I need a link on your site. Like, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> calm down. And that's the thing, though, is that like, you know, because Google is very competitive, there are practices where, yeah, you do want your link on someone else's site, but there's a way to go about it where it's mutually beneficial for like another creator. I've said this in other like blogging groups, you know, in the horse industry. And if you want, you know, to get a backlink, you know, basically all, all a backlink does is tell Google, Hey, this site is showing up as a link on another reputable site. So like you get enough of those and Google will start recognizing the authority of your site. That's a really big part of, of how Google starts recognizing your authority, but you can do it in a way that's beneficial. You know, there are platforms where you can, you know, answer questions and get a link back to your site. There are like mutual guest post pitches where you could be like, Hey, can I write an article about this on your site? And then, you know, you can art- write an article about this on my site. It would be mutually beneficial to each of our readers. You get another piece of content on your site. That's much more appealing than being like, I need a link on your website. <laughs> oh, so. definitely. Well, I remember, you know, 12 to 15 years ago, people would just exchange links. There wasn't any kind of like linking within an article. It was just, hey, I'll put a link on your website if you put a link on mine. And then there would be this long list of links on someone's website. And that is not visually appealing at all. People aren't like content has shifted so much over the years. You don't just go to someone's website to look at a list of links unless you're on an actual directory and that's what you went for. You're not going to scroll through, you know, the resources page on someone's website if it's just a list of links. So that really doesn't work anymore. You have to get creative in how the content is shared and posted if you're exchanging links with another individual. Right. Like I was saying before, like if you're doing the right thing with your intent on your site, like even Google updates where like I'm sure Google had a big update where it's like these are just people randomly posting links. We're not going to favor them in the algorithm anymore, you know, because the algorithm is getting smarter to prevent stuff like this. But if you're if you're genuinely focusing on on strategies that are going to serve your audience, whether it's on your blog, or if it's through someone else's blog, then you're not going to have a problem, you know, as long as you're just doing things to serve your audience either way. Definitely. So let's just say, for example, that I feel like I can't write worth crap. (laughs) And so blogging for me feels out of the question because I'm just not a good writer. If someone's in that situation, where do you start with blogging? What can you do if you don't feel like you have the skill to actually write a blog article? Sure. Yeah. So there are a lot of, you know, SEO writers out there. But, you know, I would start with not how good of a writer I am. And this is part like mentality and part strategy. Because really what people are coming to your blog for is not like, it's not the old school blogging where it's like, I'm going to write every day on my, like Julie and Julia. I love that movie. But you know, she wrote every day on her blog and it was about her journey with recipes. Well, that kind of blog wouldn't be as big of a deal right now without a significant social media following because people aren't going to the blogs to find a nice story about living in New York City and cooking through a cookbook. You know, like you don't have to approach it as an author. You can approach it as a tool. So like if you're writing social media posts to educate your audience, it's the same idea. So all your you kind of want to reverse engineer, okay, what's my purpose with blogging so that you're not getting hung up on how good your writing skills are because all you're doing is being like, okay, what what do people want to find out about this topic? What do I know about this topic? And then you ultimately want to think, what is my end goal with this? Is it just to get traffic onto my website? 
or is it to promote a specific product that I offer? Is it to promote like an offering or an online course? And then just be like, hey, if you're interested in learning more, here's my offer or here's a free resource that, you know, will take you to my email list. But if you really just don't like writing or don't have time for writing, there are SEO specific writers who can write for your website for anywhere from five cents a word to 20 cents a word, you know, so it really just depends on on what your needs are. And they have there's actually even people who specifically do SEO research. So if you say, hey, I want to rank for these types of research, an SEO planner can be like, okay, this is what you have the best chance of ranking for on Google at this moment. Here's an outline for you to fill in. Here's the description you should use in that meta description. And these are the keywords you should focus on. And it makes that whole process much easier. Speaking of recipe blogs, because you brought that up a minute ago, I have to say, recipe blog posts are some of the most annoying blog posts in the entire world because you know they're trying to rank for SEO and you have to scroll for days to get to the recipe. And it kills me every time. And I know why they do it because I understand blogging and, and what they're doing. But my God, I, I literally just want the recipe. It is the it is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> literally. And then to add insult to injury, then they're making sure that there's tons of ads and affiliate links and affiliate oh God, pictures yeah. and videos that pop up and pop-ups that pop up out of everywhere. You're like, okay, I get it. This is how you make your money. But oh my gosh, it's wild. Ugh. It's awful. I was trying to make dinner a few nights ago and I, my husband was trying to talk to me and I said, hang on, I'm trying to get to this recipe to see how long I have to cook this thing and right. see what my ingredients are. I finally gave up. I said, forget it. I'm going to throw the pork on the grill with some barbecue sauce and call it a day. Call like, it good. I, I'm yeah. not even, I'm not gonna I, try I don't to even care anymore. Anything. Like, yeah. It'll taste good enough. Forget it. But I just had to bring that up because it's one of the things that just bothers the heck out of me. But for anyone that's ever wondered, that's why it takes so long to get to the recipe because they are just stacking everything into that blog post for SEO purposes. And that's why you found their post at the top of Google because that's what they did. Exactly. And it really does require that at this point. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about blogging. We've, we've talked about blogging for your business, but what about for someone who says, well, I actually want to make a business out of blogging. They're not doing it to promote another brand. They actually want to make money as a blogger. Yeah, I think that's great. Go you. I think this is a great business model for a lot of reasons. And that's actually why I got into marketing was because I started out as like a blogger that was just talking about just training that I was doing with my horse and just different topics. And then I realized, you know, the blogging world had changed. It wasn't about being a diary, you know, although I think some people still enjoy those and for some of those diehard blog readers, but it's more about, you know, what are people looking for and what do you want to focus on? Because blogging as a business looks a little bit different. So instead of just going for the shallow end of search results, you're going into the deep end because once you start getting traction on smaller topics, you'll start getting more traffic, which means you can qualify for getting search traffic from bigger topics and bigger topics and bigger topics. But just functionally, what blogging as a business means is that your job is ranking for keywords and making the best content that's out there. So depending on your niche and what you're focusing on, that requires different things. But the core is 
you know, writing good content. So usually your blog posts are going to be at least a thousand words, but sometimes closer to 4,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like these days it's, it's more like, it used to be like 500 to a thousand words or 500 to 1500. Now it's like 2000 to 4,000 typically for the bigger topics. And then your revenue is one being in a good ad network or just like, you know, getting money from an ad network. So a lot of people have to start out with something like Google AdSense, which is a free, you have, there's no minimums. You can just place it on any blog. And then there's, you know, Ezoic and that's, that's a good option. Or I think she media is one. And then like kind of the gold standard is Mediavine and they have a minimum requirement of 50,000 sessions a month for you to qualify, but they have the best paying ad service. So that's a big source of revenue when you're a blogger. There's also affiliate revenue and then selling your own products. So affiliate revenue could mean just Amazon or like to know it or one of those networks, but it could also be more specific things. I believe Stateline Tech has a good affiliate program. If you're talking about a specific product, like if there's a product that you really just love as a horse owner and you're blogging about horses, then maybe they have an affiliate program and probably at better rates than Amazon does. Cause I think Amazon is like, just a few percent and other affiliate programs could be like 10 to 20% or, or 40%, you know, depending. So your main two sources of income from traffic alone will be ad revenue and affiliate revenue. And these two things kind of make up the foundation for passive income. The thing with choosing a blogging niche is that you want to choose something that you're going to want to write about a lot. You know, (laughs) unless you really, really just love blogging and love SEO, which is not a reason why a lot of people join, like try to make their own blog. A lot of people just have like genuine interest in something and want to be like, how do I monetize my passion? And I think blogging is a great way to go. And there's a course that I'll have Mandy link in the show notes that is really great for blogging as a business for picking a niche because there are a lot of horse info sites, but I'm pretty sure you don't want to write about like the best hundred top names for like a gray horse. You know what I mean? Like you want to write about something a little more compelling. So maybe you want to focus on hoof care and maybe that springboards into like leg care or total like horse care. Like maybe it's just like a horse care blog, or maybe you love talking about training. Like horse listening is a great blog. And she writes just about, she started out writing about dressage. Like basically it's like dressage for dummies, you know? So if you don't know what you're doing, or if you're more of like a heady type of writer and you need to understand what's going on mechanically and like those nuances before you go riding, like she's just blogged about that. It's just about like horse training and horse riding, like, and just the nuances of like how to achieve collection and how to like, like what's inside leg to outside rein and that sort of thing. So if you're wanting to blog for a business, pick something that you enjoy and then start doing your keyword research around that. And you'll kind of want to start like we were talking about long tail keywords and short tail keywords. You want to start in long tail keywords because even if it only gets you a hundred site visits per month, all of that adds up. And as you get more people reading your blog every month, Google's going to start saying, oh, this person's getting a lot of traffic to all these specific articles about horses. So we can bump up their rank in the algorithm, you know, when they write about a slightly broader topic about horses. So that's kind of how you walk the ladder up. And then pretty soon, like all of these articles that have just been getting 100, you know, visits per month, 
a thousand visits per month, you know, all, all that adds up. And then pretty soon you have like, you know, 60,000, 75,000 visits per month. And so that's the big distinction between blogging for business and blogging as a business is blogging as a business, you're going for overall page views. There's definitely an art to it for sure. But you get going and you could, I mean, you can make hundreds or thousands of dollars a month. And it's a lot of upfront work and a lot of a lot of work that is not going to pay a return probably for one to two years. But if you have the grit for it, then it could be a really great way to support your horse habit or your lifestyle, you know, especially if you if you start leveraging this into doing this with multiple blogs. Well, Lindsay, I think this is a good segue into sharing some news that we've kind of been holding under wraps for a bit. (laughs) And I've been waiting to have you on the podcast so we can share it. But prior to launching the lead line, I owned a blog called Horse Family, and some people might be familiar with the story, but I started Horse Family back in 2009. Crazy. And... I blogged for a few years. And like we were just talking about, I used that platform to share content that I was passionate about. And for me, Horse Family was about targeting the backyard horse owner. So I was doing product reviews, I was posting affiliate links, and I was making a little bit of revenue from that site in the first few years, which was awesome. Now, it wasn't enough to sustain myself. It wasn't paying the bills, but it was a nice little, you know, it was some nice residual income on the side. But as things got busier for me, I ended up selling the website in around 2014. And so I was out of it for a little bit, but I came back in 2020, I bought it back. And then I did some more work. And then the lead line happened. And then what did we do, Lindsay? I remember seeing Horse Family. And I was like, man, that's a great site. (laughs) You know, because I had had not only owned my blog and sold it, I sold my original blog to another blogger. But then I became partners with another blogger in the horse industry. And then I saw Horse Family Magazine and I was like, oh man, I was like, that's a great site. <laughs> you know, it's got good content on it. It's a niche that I understand. And not only, not just like the overall horse niche, but like just the idea of just being the regular Joe horse owner. You know what I mean? And I saw that Mandy hadn't posted in a couple of months and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is like <laughs> something, <laughs> something that she's going to want to keep up or whatever. Because if you're not keeping up a blog, you know, there's upkeep costs, you know, it's like $15 a month for hosting. And like, not to mention if you have a bunch of plugins that you've invested in, and not to mention the mental burden. So I just, I just messaged Mandy and I was like, Hey, like, hopefully not like too aggressively, because when I get in Jackson Pollock mode, I'm like the opportunity. (laughs) But I was like, Hey, just like wanted to see if like, if you had plans for this, or if like, this is something you'd consider selling. And I think you said, like, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did at the time. So the trademark was actually pending for Horse Family, which is that's which right. is a whole other conversation we don't have time for today. But the trademark was still pending at the time when you reached out. So I said, well, let me wait and get this back and we'll see where we're at in a couple months. And so I, I sat on it and I waited. And the lead line was just really taking off for me. So it just kind of was a natural progression of things where I had thought I had time for this blog. And then I decided that I was more passionate about talking to the horse business audience versus the backyard horse owner audience. Mm, Yeah. And I certainly could have juggled both if I'd really wanted to. But in the end, I decided, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. So it was funny because I had sold it once. I bought it back. I did some really hard work on it. I got the name trademarked. I rebranded with a new logo, everything. (laughs) So I put a little money back into it. And then when you reached out, I thought, huh, well, let me think about this. 
But in the end, we did end up uh, wheeling and dealing. Yep. And now Horse Family <laughs> officially belongs to you. Yes. And it's been it's been such a blessing too, because it has a good foundation. Like we were talking about doing blogging the right way. And Horse Family really started the right way. And I'm excited about it because all of the content that we're putting out right now is focused on the panic searches of like, oh crap, like this happened to my horse. You know, like, what is it? Like my horse's hoof is looking like this or, you know, it's summertime. I don't know how much a water horse is drinking a day. What should I be watching out for? You know, that sort of thing. So, and I know that you had had, you used to run a horse magazine, like an actual physical print mat magazine under I another did. name. Yeah. And we're thinking about that with horse family. So we've been, I've been toying around with like doing like maybe a quarterly magazine for horse family, just because like, I mean, how cool would that be to have a magazine that was geared towards the horse owner? That's not competitive. Cause I want to say that maybe 80% of horse owners are really not competitive. Like they like reading about it. They have an affiliation with like, Oh, I ride English. Or I ride Western. I ride dressage. I like, you know, I like gaming or whatever, but you know, I mean, 80% actually don't do like the competitive edge of it. So how cool would it be to have like a publication that's just for them? You know, I totally agree. And honestly, that was that something I always wanted to do with that blog, but I just realized it wasn't something that I was ready to take on in my life. And seeing your skill and talent in the blogging space, I said, this is definitely something Lindsay can take and run with. And for me, I never wanted my blog to sit. And I think as a writer and as a blogger, you don't want your projects to sit dormant and not have anything happening. And I'm excited to see where you're going to take it. I hope a magazine comes from it. So if people want to take a look at that website, where should they go? Yeah, you can just go to horsefamilymagazine.com and check it out. And if you want to join our email list too, just to find out new articles and also find out if when our release of the magazine is, you can join our email list there. So we're going to have some resources coming there. And this is the thing I love the most about blogging is that when you have an engaged audience, you really have hit the sweet spot of like, okay, this is what is serving my audience through my content. You can let the content speak to you about what they want. You know, so like if there are certain keywords that are ranking frequently, you can be like, hey, the people need this, you know, like, for example, like on another blog of mine, we have like an ultimate horse owners bundle. And what a lot of people buy the bundle for is literally for saddle fit, you know, saddle fit, saddle fit, saddle fit. A lot of these people in the backyard horse industry, like they don't have time to go to town to have a saddle fitter, you know, look at their horse. So like, I mean, that's the, that's the great thing is as we get more qualified traffic to the site, then we can just kind of see like, Hey, what do people need? And how can we meet that need too? So as a blogger, if you're thinking, you know, of doing blogging for business, probably the best recommendation that I can give is that after you start getting data to use, see what people are responding to. And maybe there's a course in there, you know, that you can offer. Maybe there's like another paid resource, like an ebook that you can offer. Maybe you can be a high level affiliate for someone who's like an extreme expert in the field. I mean, the possibilities are endless especially if you're the type of person who's like an entrepreneur has an entrepreneur spirit, but you don't like being in the public eye a lot, like hosting a podcast or, um, you know, going to in-person events. It's a really great way to continue to serve the horse industry, make a living and, and not have to 
being on social media all day, which is ultimately my (laughs) my motivation. I live a business where I don't have to show up on Instagram stories every day. So there's that. Well, I'll just add one little tip of my own too, but keep an eye on the trends because you might be able to jump in early on something before any other bloggers have. And one of my top posts I ever wrote for Horse Family was that there were not 52 free thoroughbreds. (laughs) That was my number one article that I ever wrote because I jumped on it early before anyone else made it a blog post. Like, Literally in 2011. So now it it ranks pretty well. (laughs) And that post is still going around Facebook like 10 years later or however many years later it is now. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, how do you help horse business owners with blogging? Tell us a little bit about your services and what you do if people want to reach out to you for assistance with blogging for their horse business. So I own Hoofprint Marketing as well. And that's a marketing company specifically like with experience in the horse industry. So we can help in one of two ways. We can make those SEO outlines. Like I was saying, sometimes it's just nice to have someone else do the outline for you and then you can, you can kind of run with it. Uh, and then we also offer just fully SEO optimized blogs, you know, where we, we write the content and it's by horse people for horse people. We're an equestrian team. So we understand the needs of the horse industry and all of us have background in horses too. So yeah. Awesome. And how can people reach out to you if they want to get in touch about blogging? Uh, you can go to hoofprintmarketing.com and just fill out our contact form, or you can email me directly at lindsay at hoofprintmarketing.com. And that's Lindsay with an E. An e, yes. There's so many different ways to spell <laughs> I know. Lindsay. And my name is spelled weird too with the two E's for me. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> we'll, put the, we'll make sure you read the title of the podcast so you see the correct spelling for right. Lindsay's name. <laughs> but Lindsay, it's been awesome talking with you. I know we just, we talked and talked today. It was a great topic. Thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise about blogging for the horse industry. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you're a horse business owner or equestrian professional, I'd love to invite you to continue the conversation in our free online community just for you. The Leadline Facebook community is a great space to network, get advice, and even recommend guests you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show. You can become a member by visiting theleadlinepodcast.com slash group. That's theleadlinepodcast.com slash group. And join the conversation today. I'm Mandy, and I'll see you next time.